0: Next month, the government is expected to announce tough new measures to help combat New Zealand's binge drinking culture. Britain shares a similar culture, with alcohol estimated to cost health services there the equivalent of $8 billion a year. With the country's new coalition government promising to make alcohol a priority, Radio New Zealand's health correspondent Karen Brown visited the UK to find out more about the problems it's facing. In the first of this two-part Insight series, she looks at the issue of teen drinkers and some of the innovative approaches being taken to tackle the situation. Friday night in any New Zealand city. We're drinking, many of us in a hazardous way, many just to get drunk. 700,000 New Zealanders drink large amounts, and the harm caused spans physical violence and crime, disease, early death and lost educational and other outcomes. It's a scene replicated around the world, including in the United Kingdom. This is their view.
1: Most of them sort of get loaded, as, as they call it, before they come out. Um, so they'll go down to the supermarkets and, and sort of stack up on, on really cheap alcohol. I mean, you, you can buy six cans of lava for five quid. And this, this is strong stuff. This, is like, this isn't sort of your 2 3% stuff. This is 5.1%,
2: 5.2%.
3: It's wrong to me that you can actually buy alcohol cheaper than sparkling water in some supermarkets.
4: We're living longer by and large rate. Healthier, whereas liver disease rates and deaths from liver disease are escalating, and alcohol is probably responsible for something in the region of 40,000 deaths a year. It's actually market
1: forces which determine the licensing hours, and what we're seeing is a pattern in which hours don't become so much staggered as simply extended.
0: Many of the initiatives that the government have had to address this have actually increased drinking. So, you know, in trying to make us all become Europeans and drink sociably after work, have not worked. Like New Zealand, binge drinkings plagued Britain for years. But within weeks of its formation, the cash-strapped coalition government was under mounting pressure to do more about the problem. It's promising a clampdown targeting binge drinking, with police and local bodies given more power to strip problem premises of licences. But expert groups are calling for a much wider set of measures, as they are in New Zealand. As the battle in Britain rages, those on the front line, mainly police and health authorities, fight drunkenness in central city hotspots on a Friday and Saturday night. In London, the latest new weapon is an alternative response vehicle, the booze bus. There are two booze buses in central London, with a third set to enter service. They're converted vans, each staffed by three paramedics. Because they can handle up to five drunks at any one time, the buses free up regular ambulances for real, life-threatening emergencies. It's estimated the booze buses take charge of more than 60,000 ambulance call-outs annually, saving the National Health Service, or NHS, the equivalent of $26.5 million a year. Leicester Square in central London is seen as the actual front line in Britain's 24-hour binge drinking culture. It's a culture that's thrived since law changes five years ago removed fixed closing times, making 24-hour trading possible in a bid to provide a European-style, sophisticated drinking culture. To find out what that's meant, I joined London Ambulance Service paramedics Paul Saddington, Antonia, or Tony Agnew, and their driver Joe on a booze bus one recent Friday night. Help! Sammy. Yeah, baby, show. Teen drinkers dominated, starting with 14-year-old Sam, whose friends called in the police after she began dribbling during a bout of binging.
1: Do yourselves a favour, come out the road. Sorry. What's the matter with her anyway? She's done a lot. Oh. Oh. How old is she? 40. Boy, I'm gonna have you told her, her parents? Stay
2: here, Lisa, Lisa, you stay here. What's her name? her name? Sam. Sam. What's she been drinking? Brandy. Brandy. Boy, boy. Why? Why did she drink that? We was all drinking it, but me and him are fine. Why you poo him? So she's been drinking brandy and her parents don't know? Yeah. Since what time have you been drinking from? You must have some idea. About seven.
1: We're in the middle of what, probably one of the busiest junctions in London. She's 14 and she's been on the brandy. Why brandy? God only knows. But the trouble is we're in there and she's a minor. And she's run off. Running off. No, we, we've got to try and get hold of her somehow because she's a child.
0: Sam's eventually tracked down in bushes near a busy motorway and helped into the van, having wet her tracksuit pants and very much the worse for wear. These
2: don't hurt me. I can't. I'm not going to hurt you. It's like a scr- Right, listen, 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 listen to me, right? It's very important that I do this, all right, Because I need to know what your blood sugar is. Because I need to know what your behaviour was like. If it's due to a, a reduction in your blood sugar, it's just like a sharp scratch with a little sewing needle or a safety pin. That's all it is. Promise you, it's not an injection, it's a scratch. I don't need. That's it. All that noise for that.
1: Got a question for you, Sam. Yeah. Why brandy?
2: I have larder.
1: Why not? A cheap bottle of wine or
2: something. Have you been out all day? No, since about three or four. I've been at school. 98, 124. Right, one of your mates out there is 17. How old are the others? No. How old's the boy? I think he's seventeen, but I don't know. I'm just staying at that, that young lady's house, are they? Are her parents there? They are. Do you actually know them people apart
1: from the girl? Do you know the the others there? Yes, I know both of them. We'll take you to hospital.
2: Please don't. Please can you take me at your home and take Right,
1: the other option is then we have to take you back to
2: your parents. Or to your mum, at your home address. Can't you take it to her. to no. hers? She thinks I'm there right now. Or? No
5: can't sweetheart,
1: no, you're you So we'll either take you so to the hospital where you're going to be safe and you can sober up
5: you or like, we take you home. Find out. Not oh. find
1: out. I need your next kid anyway and I do need a contact number. Now I'm not going to ring them, yeah, alright? The but we need this for the computer at the hospital.
5: Can i, this thing, so I right, I'm put this,
2: just tie your up. Okay. hair up, My don't force it. It will come. <coughs> not listen. it will come, it will come.
0: Don't wretch. Sam's no longer talking but her friend Lisa fields the questions from the paramedics who have kids of their own and are desperate to understand. Paul Saddington can't understand why she chose brandy at 40% proof. The girls say because it was cheap, at the equivalent of $10 a bottle. Sam's mate goes on to tell the paramedic that the only thing that would put her off binge drinking would be if someone died in front of her.
2: The teenagers but, we but live people once. do die. Yeah, but I've never seen someone we die in really front
0: of me. As in New Zealand, young girls are drinking as much as boys. Girls between 16 and 25 make up two thirds of all booze bus cases, and these two certainly know their rights. They can't and won't be charged for the free service. And Paul Saddington's not happy about that.
1: If they end up in this ambulance, they should be taken to court the very next day when it's over and either given a week inside or a very hefty bill.
2: We chose to help people that are actually medically sick, not people that were just consuming alcohol. Why are you doing this then? Because that's the way society's going. And 14 years old, you're very close to me ringing your mother up. So watch the attitude, alright?
0: Tony Agnew manages the patients in the back while her colleague keeps notes. They take the girls to the paediatric department of Britain's busiest casualty hospital, St Thomas's, near Westminster, where I noticed hours later they were still waiting for a parent to be reached by phone and to come and collect them.
2: I don't think she was as drunk as she was letting on. I don't think they've consumed as much alcohol as they're letting on. Um, because there was five of them there all together. So I think two bottles between five of them, you know. They've used it, as I think they've used it as a taxi home, to be quite honest.
0: But the night's not over. Indeed, it's barely got underway, and it's expected to really pick up once pubs close between two and four in the morning. Meantime, two more teenagers, boys aged 16 and 17, are also delivered semi-comatose to hospital and the crew takes on board a homeless Polish alcoholic. He's such a regular with them that he has his own seat on the bus and heaven help anyone else whom he finds sitting in it. The work's dirty and demoralising for the crews but they receive nothing but praise from other ambulance staff and the police. This is another ambulance service paramedic, also Paul, whom we met at St Thomas's Hospital.
6: As a paramedic, essentially in central London, um, we would spend 90 to 100 percent of our shifts basically doing drunks. Um, you could be pretty much guaranteed that every job would be a drunk. Um, but since the uh, booze bus, as so I like to call it, has come along, it's made a huge difference to my working life. Um, and in fact, it makes the job much, much better. You know,
0: how? What? What's it done to your working life?
6: Well well, essentially, I don't go to drunks all the time, which when you when you're doing drunk after drunk after drunk, it really starts to wear you down after after some time. Um, but now, although we're, we're going to go to a lot of drunks anyway that's to be expected of the job it's really really cut out um, you know a lot of that work.
0: Brian Hayes launched the booze bus five years ago and is still its leader. He says talks are being held about setting up centres separate from busy hospital a and d departments where they could deliver the drunks to further ease pressure on mainstream health services. He says the bus is more than a success.
1: We're currently at the moment picking up anywhere between sort of 12 and and sort of 17 patients in an evening and that's one vehicle. So with the two vehicles um, that's a massive saving on ambulances. I mean on one shift we we can actually free up 34 different ambulance journeys which in the small space that we operate is an awful lot, yeah. We're actually in negotiations now with our NHS partners, should we say, um, in our walking centres and the the different trusts, on actually opening up somewhere where we will take those patients to. So not only will we be sort of freeing up the ambulances, but we'll be freeing up the A&E department as well.
0: As in New Zealand, it's young people who constitute a large part of the problem.
1: We have a massive problem. A real large percentage of the intoxicated patients that we'll sort of bump into tonight will be university students. The the massive majority, I mean we're talking over 80% of the people that we pick up aren't even from London. They're either from like the home counties or they're students sort of studying in London and the surrounding areas out on a night out.
0: The catch-all term used in Britain to cover all of the problems linked to alcohol is antisocial behaviour and it's being associated with the revival of city centres in what's known as the nighttime economy. The director of the Centre for Criminal Justice Studies at the University of Leeds School of Law, Professor Adam Crawford, says the development of this nighttime activity is one of the most significant things to have happened in British cities over the past 10 to 15 years.
1: Many British cities, in some senses, owe their vibrancy today to the nighttime economy and to the attraction of nighttime outlets, be they clubs, pubs or or other venues and, and outlets which have in some senses enabled some city centres to survive what has been a major restructuring of British cities, particularly against the challenge or the threat of the out-of-town shopping centre and the out-of-town leisure outlets. but. The knock-on consequence has been that there have been disorderly implications of large numbers of young people because it's they're particularly attractive to to young people congregating in city centers and so one of the issues which has arisen have been the policing and the disorderly consequences of alcohol-fueled revelers in British city centers. <laughs>
0: London obviously has its alcohol problems, but not to the extent of other cities, notably in the north-east and north-west. This is measured by alcohol-related hospital admissions, which are far higher in those regions.
3: We're in the Government Office for London, which is um, an office that helps local London boroughs to deliver on priorities, both from a local point of view and a government point of view.
0: Police Sergeant Paul Dunn is the programme manager for the London Antisocial Behaviour Board, which tackles alcohol, among other issues. Sergeant Dunn says young people drink less in London than in some other regions. He's concerned that the increasing focus of the media in Britain, as in New Zealand, on drinking gives the public the idea that cities are less safe than they actually are.
3: The streets certainly of London are much safer now than they've ever been and um, people's perceptions in certain areas might actually show that that's not the case but it's it's usually based on media reports and television programmes that actually use the... You know, sort of issues like nighttime economy-related problems and and violence at nightclubs and on the streets after these areas close down at night, just to sort of glamorize the whole thing. And I think people actually then realise or think they realise that that is reality for them, and they would would not use those areas late at night, which then goes on to just make them believe even more so that these are no-go areas at night. And actually, in most cases, that's not the case at all.
0: But there are definitely problems as a talk to the police in any major UK city will show. The top police officer in Britain's third largest city, Leeds, is Chief Inspector Vernon Francis. He took over the job nine months ago with several goals, including making the city safer. He's showing me a DVD he had compiled backed by a local band, showing some of the alcohol fueled mayhem on city streets on Friday and Saturday nights.
1: As you can see, a lot of the violence that's taking place is unchecked and in some of the slides you'll see that there are door staff who are actually watching this.
0: And there are people there, what, basically involved in a brawl, punching each other, lying on punching the ground?
1: Punching each other, jumping on, on people's heads, mass
5: violence.
0: Chief Inspector Francis is putting in place a range of measures to deal with this, which we'll hear about next week in Part 2. He says violent crime is coming down, but Leeds is keen to do better. Leeds itself is a fast-growing city of 850,000 people, 50,000 of them students. And in Chief Inspector Francis' video, it's young people doing the kicking and punching. Oliver's a 19-year-old from London. He says the problem's far wider than youth alone.
6: It spreads across a range of age groups because you see lots of like middle class parents and who like happily go through a bottle of wine each n- a night as well. So the young people certainly do drink a lot and maybe outside their homes more. But I'd say it, it crosses It spreads across all ages of society.
0: Oliver failed his final school exams and is trying to requalify for university while working in a bike shop. He puts his situation down to getting involved in drugs, and alcohol in particular.
6: When I first started drinking, when I was 16, coming up to being 17, I was with the rugby friends and usually um, if you're going around someone's house, it would be, say, you get maybe about six cans and drink that, and that that, that would be considered quite normal. Yeah, I'd say that's sort of an average amount, More recently, I don't really drink so much because I don't like the hangovers. That's what I used to drink, and nowadays, though, but with going out and you're sort of going to the pub and then maybe on to somewhere else later, almost like lose count. It's it's, uh, you know I've seen people drink from about five just through. You know, it's it's no longer like a quantitative uh, amount. It's just endless.
0: (laughs) Oliver has taken up racing his bike and is getting his life back on track. He doesn't want to go back to the bottle and drugs.
6: I've had quite a lot of nights, just like, oh, uh, regret. But for me, it's uh, I find it quite difficult, and I find it really uncomfortable and uh, very confidence-shattering to view myself in a completely different way than I had the night before. That mental shift in focus and perspective from being sober to drunk and the way that that affects men- men- mental decisions being made when I then look back on, say, the night before and remember things I did and have a completely different reasoning and view of them to what I did at the time and just think how silly that was, I find that really, really deeply... It's just deeply horrible for me because it shows such a... It's so unbalanced. It's so... It's quite unnerving to think that you've behaved in a different way and it shatters my confidence, really.
0: Oliver says the motivation to binge drink is simply to have fun.
6: I think people want to have fun and even when they've gone past that tipping point or something no longer being sensible and maybe no longer the best overall effect, when they step back and look at it an- another time, in that immediate place, they want to keep on having fun. And even when they've got to a stage where they're drinking too much and they're a bit all over the place and they're not communicating as, as well, in that stage, The most fun thing then is to just drink more because you you don't want to go back, you want to carry on.
0: Paul Dunn, the antisocial behaviour expert for the London Police, says people will drink if they have nothing to do, especially in areas of high unemployment.
3: Boredom is one of the big issues. Uh, You know, people, if they've got nothing to do, they will drink, and we're seeing that on a day to day basis. Um, If you have, you know, an area where there's very large numbers of unemployment, etc., One of the ways of dealing with it could be more alcohol consumption and I think we just have to be aware that there is a number of factors. I don't think it's that complex to understand, I think most people would realise that.
0: But the alcohol debate is not without its complexities and one is that while people may be consuming less alcohol in Britain overall, a hardcore is drinking more. Binge drinking means imbibing more than double the daily limit, which is two to three units for women and three to four for men. A unit is 10 to 15 grams of alcohol. The Drink Aware Trust is an independent charity funded by the drinks industry to research and provide factual information about alcohol and drinking. It says 18 to 24-year-olds have slowed down their drinking and fewer under 18s drink. But those teens who are drinking are drinking double what their counterparts did a decade ago. Chris Sorek
7: is the Trust's head. There's two different groups in the 18 to 24-year-old age group. There's 18 to 21-year-olds who literally try everything and try every type of alcohol you could possibly imagine, right? And then at 21, 22-years-old, they switch. They decide that either beer is their choice, or wine's a choice, or maybe a spirits are a choice, but they make a decision right around 21, 22, and they basically stay with that decision as they go forward. So there are differences with even within that age group. We did a study on young people, and we found that young people in university were drinking to excess to a point where they couldn't remember what they were doing, and they were blacking out. As a matter of fact, one of the students that we had as a test case, we were watching them go through their, their freshers week in, in university, and it was reported in the Sun newspaper, uh, there were times he couldn't remember what he was doing in the week that he was drinking to excess. And basically he drank, I think in, the, in one week, he drank a full month's worth of alcohol. And our medical expert said, you know, you're well on your way to probably getting into deep trouble, both from a health perspective but also from a personal side. Chris
0: Sorick hopes research over the next five years will shed light on drinking trends generally.
7: Overall consumption across the board is coming down, but there is a core group of people that continue to drink and continue drinking to excess. Now, what we try to do is to try to find out who those are. And even with the, the group that, that drinks to excess, you have within that group about 50% of them are people that are saying, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing this anymore. So we would call those people irresponsible, shamefuls. These are the people who wake up the next morning with, with, with a hangover and go, I don't think I ever want to do that again. So we're talking to those people. But you are going to find other ones that are in this other group, which we call irresponsible indifference. And those are saying, no matter what happens, I'm going to go out and get drunk. That's the way it's going to be. I'm going to drink. That's not necessarily true for the great proportion of the society here in in, in that age group, because we're literally only talking about 14% of the total population of young people.
0: Don Schenker, head of the Alcohol Concern Lobby Group, has other worries.
7: We have very
5: high rates of uh, teenagers going into hospital, going into treatment services. So we really see the damage that's caused through binge drinking by young people. We've seen over the last five or ten years a doubling of the number of units consumed by young people, by 11 to 15 year olds, the mean level of consumption.
0: But the problem isn't only to do with
5: young people. We have seen a huge rise in the level of professional middle class people drinking uh, wine at restaurants, taking home cheap wine from supermarkets, drinking at home. People finishing off a, a bottle of wine uh, themselves in, in an evening and still working, still having normal family lives but simply consuming more alcohol than they realise might be damaging to them and then later on down the line realising they have problems with cardiovascular problems uh, high blood pressure, diabetes uh, and obesity
4: Uh, Well, you're sitting in the Royal College of Physicians. Uh, It was founded in 1518 by Henry VIII with the aim of keeping the quacks out of the city of London. This is
0: Professor Sir Ian Gilmore, the president of the Royal College of Physicians, the chair of the Alcohol Health Alliance Group and a liver specialist.
4: Most youngsters do go through that phase and and fortunately for for parents like me get get out of it alive. But there's no doubt that a significant proportion don't And there is evidence that the younger people start drinking, and the more they drink when they start drinking, the more likely they are to have alcohol dependence problems in the future. So we are storing up uh, problems in the long term. When I became a liver physician 30 years ago, uh, cirrhosis of the liver was a disease of middle-aged and elderly men. Now we're seeing it in both sexes almost equally, although men still predominate, but women are the big increasing number. And we're seeing it in people as young as their 20s. And every liver specialist in the country will tell you they've, they've seen people dying of alcoholic liver disease in their 20s. A real tragedy. And these people didn't make a life choice to die from alcohol. Our politicians like to call it a lifestyle condition, but that implies you have choice. And, of course, alcohol is a drug of dependence. We're also in a society where alcohol advertising, uh, alcohol sales are around us 24-7
0: alcohol abuse in Britain is estimated to cost the health service the equivalent of eight billion dollars a year or 44 billion once costs of crime and disorder are added I asked Ian Gilmore if alcohol is primarily a health social or a law enforcement issue
4: I think it is all of those things you know it is our favorite drug it's a drug that's been with society for thousands of years I think if if history had taken a different turn in the 12th, 13th century and it had been the East that had been dominant, we might have found now that, that morphine and heroin would be legal and alcohol was illegal, but it happens to be a legal drug, it's not going to go away. It certainly in moderation has very few significant problems. There are some issues around things like breast cancer, the way even moderate consumption seems to increase risk, but Clearly, there's risk in all aspects of life, and so we are certainly not trying to get alcohol banned, and I'm not a teetotaler myself. But I think the issue that that I've been pushing is is the health impact of alcohol misuse. It's been, I think, convenient for politicians to concentrate on the crime and disorder, whereas, in fact, the problem from the doctor's perspective is just as great across the whole age range, and uh, health has been, I think, pushed to the back of the queue.
0: He spells out what he regards as the key health effects.
4: We're seeing nearly a million admissions to hospital a year now in the UK and that's not counting people who just turn up at the Accident and Emergency Department with a cut head and can go home again. So there's been a huge uh, increase and I think the sadness is that it's often young people uh, who have not brought it upon themselves, they're just following along with their peers but it's the commonest cause of death in young men in this country. It's not just alcohol poisoning, although sadly that does occur, but it's, it's accidents, it's violence, uh, it's often linked to suicide, and of course in, in women the tragedy of, of unwanted pregnancies, of rape, sexually transmitted diseases. So these are the big hitters, if you like, in terms of the effects of getting drunk. But then we're also seeing the insidious rise of chronic uh, illnesses from alcohol and the most obvious and widely publicised one is cirrhosis of the liver and that has bucked all the trends in that it's getting much much more frequent in the UK. It's moved into the top five causes of death uh, in the UK, liver disease and the four above it, heart disease, cancer and so on, are all improving.
0: Sir Ian says many people in the UK are now personally affected by alcohol. He believes the country is approaching a tipping point and may now be ready to take much more drastic action. That Radio New Zealand Insight programme was written and presented by Karen Brown. Technical production was by Colette Jansen, and it was produced by Sue Ingram. More Insights are available to be downloaded free of charge from the Insight webpage radio.nz.co.nz forward slash insight.